And here we go. Hey there, everyone. I'm Christopher D. Casson. Uh, I'm an artistic that's looking to just rediscover the world and take you along with the journey and learning. And I, um, I also happen to be a photographer around the Chicago area that just wants to be able to use my artistic traits as a gift to serve others. So, and today we actually have a very special guest here. Uh, she is a speaker, coach, best-selling author, and a personal development strategist that encourages others to break their silence and walk into the light and just laying over their dark, painful past. And part of her painful past was being lured and trapped, trapped in the sex trafficking and escaping. And thus, she's here telling her story to the world and becoming that inspiration to many people and going from a silent soldier to one hell of a warrior. So <laughs> thank you, Jody Parr, for being able to join me tonight. Thank you, Christopher, so much. It is an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and of course, such as uh, for many people, everyone always has that superhero origin story of overcoming adversity, and you certainly have yours. So could you tell us more about that, uh, of how exact, how exact, what exactly happened that eventually led you into that trap of being stuck, stuck in the sex trafficking area right so i um i grew up in a very christian home i was very protected i didn't have any um bad childhood memories but when i turned 18 my family was very strict so like i didn't get to do like all the other kids got to do and go out and party or go out and you know my dad was just very strict and if if uh we had to go on a date he'd have to meet the guy before and so when i turned 18 i was like i just want to be on my own you know because yeah. i felt like all the rules and everything like that were too much well little did yeah. i know I was going to walk into a very evil world that I had been sheltered my whole entire life from. Mm. And so when I was 18, I left home and I moved in with my aunt and uncle. And I was so excited because they were not as strict as my parents were. And I was um, able to get a job because that was the thing I needed to help with rent, you know, and help mm -hmm. different things with that. And I started working at this place and I absolutely loved it. And uh, I had been working there for a while and this guy came in. And he was absolutely gorgeous. He looked like he walked off the pages of a GQ magazine. And I was um, 18, insecure, um, you know, been sheltered. And so when he paid me attention, I was just like over the moon. Mm -hmm. And so he started to ask me for my phone number. And I was super excited about that. And I gave him my number thinking this good looking guy is not going to call me like there's no way. Well, he did. He ended up calling me that evening and we ended up talking for three months. Mm -hmm. And I told him everything about me. Like I told him how, you know, strict my family was growing up. I told him um, where, you know, my family worked. I told them I told him, um, you know, like as far as feeling alone in the world and just living at my aunt and uncle's house. And, and he would do the opposite. Like he would paint this picture that, you know, we're going to be married one day. And this is like three months into talking. Um, he would tell me about the big picket fence with the horses and life is going to be so great. And he would, you know, send me pictures of stuff. I'm going to buy you this and buy you that because he was always traveling. So that one day I saw him, I only talked on the phone with him after that for three months. And that's mm -hmm. what they call the grooming side of this yeah it suddenly sounded um, like you were you were being groomed with all this positive mm -hmm. happy happy pippy thing and it and it ended up not turning out exactly that way mm -mm. no it did not mm -hmm. um so we had been talking for a while he told me that he loved me i told him i loved him too and i was so excited because he said he was coming back into town and i was like over the moon excited about that and so I was getting ready um, to go out with him because he said that we were going to go to a big cocktail party and it was going to be elaborate and all of these fancy things. And I was getting ready to, to go to that. When my phone rang and I grabbed it off the wall and it was him. And he said, hey, baby, I just want you to know my parents are so excited to meet you. All my friends are excited to meet you. But, hey, I'm going to be late picking you up. So my friend slash bodyguard is going to pick you up instead. 
And don't worry, he's totally cool. You'll absolutely love him. And I remember I stopped and there was like that little thing and that little voice, you know, that was like, mm, you better not do that. You don't know this guy. You, you know, you can't meet him. And so I was like, I don't, I don't know. And he goes, don't you trust me? I love you so much. Like, don't you trust me? And so I did trust him after three months. I love this guy. I trusted him with my whole entire life. And so I said, yeah, I do. I trust you. And he said, okay, well just be my friend. And then he's going to bring you to me. And this guy had always told me, I call him Trek in my book, but he had always told me when I propose to you, it's going to be so elaborate. It's going to blow your mind. You're not going to, you know, and so it was that whole, like, you know, I want to say fantasy, but you know, yeah, of this huge elaborate proposal that I've always dreamed of. Like, and so there was that in the back of my mind constantly. And then there was meeting the parents. I was so excited to meet his parents. He's like, you know, your mom will cook in the kitchen with me, you know, to get with us and you'll just love it. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you. I'll, I'll meet him. So I got there and there was only one other vehicle there. And this guy got out and he was about seven foot. He was just as tall as he was wide. He was big, 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 big guy. Mm. So in my mind, I'm like, of course, he could be a bodyguard. Like, he's huge. And he had a smile on his face. And he said, you know, you must be Jody. And I said, yes. And uh, he introduced himself. And the next thing I know, I'm blindfolded and I'm in the back of a vehicle. Mm. I did see also I saw a gun on him as well. Um, When I was in the back of that vehicle and I was blindfolded, I was thinking I was about to get proposed to. I was thinking that this was it. Wow. This is what I have been so excited about. This is what's going to happen. Except when the blindfold came off, it wasn't what I thought it was. It was in front of a very dirty run down, beat down motel. And that's when I knew I was in trouble. Mm -hmm. I was 18. I was a virgin. I didn't know anything about anything. And my life changed forever at that moment. I was taken in by gunpoint uh, into that motel room where horrific things happened to me. And I go into details in my book about everything that I went through. But I thought I was going to die more than once. Man, um, I'm just in silence because it's like. It's a lot. Imagining that kind of situation that. That would have been terrifying for anyone, really, and make them wonder if they're really ever going to make it out. It's just, yeah, it, it don't isn't only imprisonment in a physical room, but it's also imprisonment in your mindset. Yeah. And because I was able to escape, and that's in my book, um, I never escaped the mindset though, and I lived in that imprisonment in my mindset for a very long time. I never thought I would tell one person my story. I went through a lot of self-medicating. I went through, I was on the run for a long time, could not see my family. I was on the run. It's in my book. Um, And several, not, I won't say several, but I definitely will say a couple of attempts of suicide, um, which is also in my book because I just couldn't deal with what had happened to me. And I had so much guilt because I felt like I put myself in that situation. And so for a long time, I lived in fear, anxiety, um, just trying to get from one day to the next because of what I had been through. And I never thought I would tell anybody. And um, in 2017, uh, God woke me up in the middle of the night and was like, it's time to tell your story. My husband, who I've been with for 12 years, married 10 of those, uh, didn't even know. My best friends for 10 years plus didn't even know. Nobody knew. Aunts, uncles, my own mother did not know. And so the best way for me to tell everybody was to write a book. Mm -hmm. And I began writing and it took me um, three three weeks and um, I wrote three books. Mm. And uh, just poured it all out. And then from that moment... Um, you know, God spoke to me. Yeah. It was almost like a release for you of always holding it it in for so long. Yeah. Because when God said to me, this isn't about you, this is about who needs to hear this. Hmm. It took all that off of me 
And I realized that I had a story to share and I was no longer going to be ashamed of it and that I was going to be unstoppable. And the first time I spoke on stage in New York and I came down off stage, I had people waiting on me that were suicidal, that had been through things in their life and they had never told a soul because of the same reason I hadn't because of fear of rejection and, you know, guilt and shame and all of these reasons. And, you know, they were able to break their silence. And that's something that I think a lot of people walk around with. There are all these things that happen to them that they've never told anybody. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, my the name of my book came from, which is Boss Breakout Silent yeah. Soldier. Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking um, of, you know, someone going through that, especially I'm thinking of, you know, how many people on the audience autistic spectrum could also be found in and because this can affect anyone even the autistic community with you know because with i always see those facebook posts of you know people even autistic kids going missing and trying to find them and sometimes they do find them and sometimes they don't sometimes they end up finding them like they wandered off and accidentally drowned or something and it's just yeah it's just uh it is true. And um, there is a lady actually from my hometown that's been missing for a while now. And she's in her 30s, but she is autistic. And, um, you know, we pray for her every day to be found. But they just said they don't know what happened to her. And of course, my mindset always goes to this. It always, because I don't think people realize how big it is and yeah. how a lot of victims are lured in. Some victims are kidnapped. It's just different ways. But, Yes, to what you're saying. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Wasn't it the biggest crime in the U.S. right now is human trafficking right now? It is um, next to drug trafficking. I think that's number one, but it's a billion dollar illegal business. Human trafficking is. Yeah. And for all the people thinking they're going to be safe behind those gated communities. And it's, I don't know, to me, it seems like you know, if these people are rich, what's preventing them from moving into those same gay communities and also knowing them? So technically, you're not really safe. It's And it's happening in any kind of neighborhood, really. Yeah, everybody should definitely be aware of it. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're not in a day anymore where your kids can play in the yard. Hmm. We're just, you know, it's not. And yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, even back then, my mother always made sure that I stay in your yard unless I'm playing with other kids in the neighborhood. And even when it's like around winter this time, I'm always told, always come in at five, period. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't care. Blah, blah, blah. And I always get upset about it. But, you know, when you see stuff like this, it's understandable to take yeah. precautions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And of course we have some people here that are saying hello to you. Hey hello. there. Hey guys. Thanks for jumping in. Hey, Amy. Hi, Amy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, love it. I do, too. Yeah. So, uh, and she's doing a lot to help with the human trafficking as well. I know Amy is. She's very passionate about it, and I appreciate everything that she's doing. Mm-hmm. And shout out to her. <laughs> yeah, shout out to her. Shout out to uh, uh, the Fusion Project, which. Yes, yes. It's a nonprofit that helps little little girls gain that confidence so they don't end up in situations such as human trafficking. So, yes, because that is so important because that's how they lure you in. Yeah, they play off your insecurities. They play they play definitely off of that. So, yes, shout out to Fusion Project. I think that's an amazing group. Yeah, definitely, and just just so many so many people that I'm so glad that it's becoming more of an awareness, especially with that. with Jason as well being a big yes big in the helping rescuing of you know rescuing the little little kids that are forced into these hor- horrific situations as well and oh wow a lot of people are saying hello that's a true hero hey Shelly hey Shelly <laughs> hey Hope. Hope hey guys and hashtag fight the new drug yes yes. <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah so let's get get into the book because i know you you've also met forbes riley who's mm-hmm. who said to you 
uh, these specific words that really got you out of the get you do do what you did, which was no comfort zone. And after hearing that, yeah. you wrote the book within was it two months or just a couple two weeks? Oh, two two weeks. weeks. Okay, man. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and well, I don't know. I kind of it's like what was the what was it like just being able to put them on paper for the first time? Because I have to imagine that it's very hard, but it it's a necessary process that I think that you would suggest to anyone that's going gone through horrific that this would be the first step, right? It was a definite healing process because I had to go back to that dark place that I had blocked out for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I could not have done it without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was all over me when I wrote this book. Mm. Um, And I did it at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. when everybody else was asleep. I needed to be by myself. Mm. I needed to cry. I needed to get it all out and just pour it onto paper. And um, there were parts of it that I had blocked that came back to me. There was parts of it that um, I had forgotten about. And even in my second book, because I wrote three books in two weeks. And um, one thing about me is I'm dyslexic. So I'll do things backwards. I'll say things backwards. And that is something also that I was very ashamed of for a very long time. And the Mm -hmm. enemy would use that against me and tell me I wasn't good enough. And like sometimes when I talk, I would talk over my words and do things like that. And so whenever I was writing in the back of my mind, it's like your grammar's horrible. Like you're not good. But I would just ignore all that. And I would just pour it all out onto paper because I knew that my story needed to help so many people. Mm -hmm. And for me to just have that, to keep it inside of me and to have that guilt and that shame, constantly thinking that people were going to judge me when, when I released it, I got the absolute opposite. And so that tells you those little voices in your head that say, you know, Oh my gosh, people are going to talk about you and this and that it's, it's not like that. It's, it's, it's that, healing and that freedom to to get your story out there and not keep holding on to something that's tearing you apart on the inside yeah i think of it as a um <laughs> yeah uh yeah occasionally my brain kind of freezes up on me when i, I don't want it to but yeah i understand yeah but um i understand what you're saying now because uh those little gremlins in the head and just, uh, you know, feeling that they're just really just thoughts, you know, it's something Mm -hmm. that you could just ignore. And it's basically like a, almost like a safety mechanism that's been genetically in there for survival. But these days they could really hold you back and for being able to fully heal and being able to do amazing things such as you did with finally getting out there and just bringing this up to light and being able to help people relate and being able to overcome their issues, you know? Right. <clears throat> yeah, so, definitely. And since you mentioned about uh, faith, uh, I was also, since this episode is actually called uh, faith over fear. So I wanted to hear about how much of a role faith really played in all of this. Because usually when you hear faith, people are always, always turning to the negative side of, oh, the, these uh, bashing these certain groups because, because of something they can't help and all this other stuff. And the thing is, there's always, there's a good side to having faith as well because they could really help you to overcome such obstacles so why don't you tell us how it really helped you throughout your life yeah absolutely because i've been on both sides mm-hmm. um i've ran with the devil and i ran with fear i ran mm-hmm. with anxiety i ran with anxiousness i would do things i wasn't proud of i got into a very um, dark world that I wasn't proud of. And I was absolutely miserable. And fear was the main thing that paralyzed me every single day. I mean, not just normal fears, like, you know, to have fear of a a spider or something like that. I mean, fear of, I wouldn't leave my house, would not leave my closet of my house, Mm -hmm. would sit there and drink myself until I cried myself to sleep. I'm talking fear that ruled my life. 
Mm. And it was when I realized I was trying to do it all myself. I was trying to heal myself. I was trying to fix myself. I was trying to have the power to do all that. And all I would do is self-medicate that, it, you know, I grew up in church. I knew mm. Jesus was, but I didn't know who Jesus was. Yeah. And I didn't realize that by me crying out to him and saying, I'm sorry for all that I've done and take it from me that he really would. And I went from living in this dark place to being this bright light, mm -hmm. to being able to show others that some of the things I went through, people don't come out of it alive. People, yeah. you know, are their mindset will get take over them forever. And so that's why my faith is so important. And that's why I always say faith over fear, because we have two different thoughts. You're either having a thought of faith, knowing that God can get you through that, knowing that God's there for you, or you're going to have a thought of fear. And that is going to catapult into several different negative situations. And so I think of like you talking about Jason and I feel like people have faith. They're going to be rescued. And then he comes in and he rescues them. Yeah. You know, and, and even whenever I was in that motel room, I had a gun to my head. I had a, a guy, you know, huge guy over me. It looked impossible. It literally looked like this was the end like mm. that. But I had faith even in that moment, even after that horrible thing happened to me, I had faith. But when I left that that situation, and I escaped that faith was taken over by fear. Mm. And it's like I couldn't even find the faith anymore. Until later, yeah. the right people were put into my path and said, you got to let go of all this. You got to forgive these men that did this to you. You have to forgive that I was in a very abusive relationship. You got to forgive mm -hmm. the abusive relationship. You got to give all that to Jesus so that you no longer carry it. And mm -hmm. that's where I went from that dark place to a light place. And that's why I always talk about faith over fear. Yeah, oh, man, it's just. So many thoughts going through my head with this because, you know, with mm -hmm. me growing up and me going through college and me just getting in those periods of depression and granted they're not as horrible as being stuck in human trafficking, but with everything I've dealt with and, you know, just being in those times where I just wonder why bother anymore. And, then, and yet for some reason, there's, I always thought about it as like this little light with within me and i guess you could say it's within all of us that it keeps us pushing through even though we we uh we want to give up and and i think part of it is just you know that maybe it's because we all have our own purpose and we're here for a reason you know yeah. And we're all created for a purpose. Every single one of us are. And I don't talk down or I don't judge anybody that may not have the same beliefs as me. But if someone wants to know why I shine so bright, I I tell them, you know, mm -hmm. it's all about my faith. And, and and I think some people here actually agree with you right there. So that's definitely Yes, true. Shelley, all things are possible. She's a woman of faith as well, you mm -hmm. know. Yes, hope, faith over fear. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. amen so amen. even so even with me, um, this doesn't have to apply with just Christianity for those that aren't in that religion, because you know, for me, I'm primarily primarily looking through, you know, the Eastern philosophies to find my own peace, because we all have our own journeys, we all have our own paths that are unique to us and there's a reason behind it, I like to believe. So while I'm practicing Buddhism, um, you know, it kind of makes me look back and it just makes me understand, you know, the things that Jesus was trying to accomplish, you know, and just have me a greater appreciation for him, even though I may not be classified as Christian. Um, you know, I can definitely appreciate everything he's done and all the great great things leading up to when he was eventually crucified. Right. Yeah. And then that's the whole time. That's the whole reason that he was crucified was for all of us to carry our sins so that, you know, there's something called double jeopardy to mm -hmm. where you don't have to, you know, get caught for the same thing twice. Mm 
So that was one thing that the the enemy kept saying to me is that, oh, you did this and you did this and you did this. But I can go back and be like, yeah, but Jesus died for my sins. So all that's under the blood. So there's so much power in that. And that's a lot. But then also as long as you don't just repeat it because you. um, Oh, boy, this is um, I'm trying to. You know, it was right in my head and it keeps going away. It's just... <laughs> I understand. <laughs> oh, it's like man. walking in a room and you're like, man, what I walk in this room for? Yeah, it's like me going in, oh, I'm going to have that great conversation, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, deer in headlights. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, and now you're in this space where now you become that speaker that really inspire others coaching people and and also starting thing starting things such as bling life could you tell us more about what bling life is yeah so whenever um i was living at the beach and um i had a company called soulful styles it was a shoe company and it was very it was booming it was online only it was all blingy shoes i absolutely loved it um but as things happen, I had a business partner that undercut me. I had a company that I was working with that did me dirty. And so basically I found out that they were trying to, or they were taking all my customers. And so I had to completely shut down my website because mm. I was drop shipping through them. So knowing that they were going through, it was kind of like they took me out of the deal. So I took my website down and I was super depressed and I was super upset. And I ended up going home that, or I looked at my husband and I said, you know what? I just quit. I'm done. I'm tired of building businesses. I'm tired of doing all this work. And then it just falling apart. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I believe in you, baby. He's like, something else will come along. You'll love it too. And um, so I went home and I was um, in my bedroom and the sun was shining into the window and I always wear sparkles. I usually always have bling on somewhere and the sun hit this hat and it just sparkled everywhere. Mm-hmm. And when it did, um, the thought bling life came into my head. Like just, the light bulb over the head. Yes. Just bling life. And so I, you know, from then on was like, no idea I was going to write my story. No idea people were even going to know about that. And this is how crazy it is and how crazy God works because here I am thinking I'm just going to have this online business called bling life. It's going to be shirts. It's gonna be and then God's like, nope, you're going to tell your story. And this is going to line up with that because mm. you're going to tell the reason that you sparkle is because of your faith over fear. And so it all kind of tied together. And I've even thought about, I've talked to my husband about doing a nonprofit called Bling Life. Mm -hmm. It's not done yet, but it's on my heart that I'm wanting to do something like that and just be able to help other people because there's so many, everybody has um, different trials that they go through in Mm -hmm. life. And so it was important for me to be able to help those that needed to be helped. And so through my books, I know that I'm doing that, but I have a wider and bigger vision than just yeah, that, of that course. Bigger picture that that's starting to form, form there. Yeah. So I know Bling Life's in there, but I don't know yet where God's taken that. Yeah. It's funny how things like that work. As I mentioned before, during this whole, well, currently with the coronavirus, uh, going on through adversity there's opportunity when one door closes many doors open and it's almost like i guess in your words it's like god god trying to guide guide you and saying Mm -hmm. hey this is actually something different i would like you to go there and see just discover the path that he's different paths that he's laying before for you that actually end up being better than what you were currently going to Exactly. Yeah, because we don't have any idea what God has planned for us, Mm -hmm. but it says he gives us future and a hope. So that's something to get excited about. And I noticed one thing about people, you know, not working from their offices and having to work from home and kids not being in school. And that is that people are becoming families again. They're, you know, sitting around the table again. They're slowing down. You know, a lot of people, you get Mm -hmm. so busy in life, you want to slow down and you want to enjoy the people in your life because before you know it, you know, they're out the door in college and yet you missed out on all these opportunities. So in any situation, you can look at it as a positive or you can look at it as a negative. 
you know, we pray for those with this virus. We, we, we definitely do all precautions to mm-hmm. keep it from happening. But at the same time, enjoy your family being at home with you. You know, yeah. enjoy these moments that you're spending together because you can always look at the negative in every situation or yeah. you can look at the positive. Yeah, because, uh, oh my goodness, why is it doing this tonight? Oh my goodness. You're good. Oh man. <laughs> and, yeah, the, okay, so getting, getting off of the positive and neg- negatives, uh, you know, this, despite all this, there's always seems to be people that, just stay silent, stay in the dark instead of mm-hmm. stepping it up. And I'm kind of curious on what your thoughts on on why exactly do they do that and not just open up? Is it because of that fear of the unknown of what people are going to mm-hmm. say, what people are going to think, and all That's these exactly. other crazy ideas that always seem to be like way this humongous way or a giant boulder that's about to crush you when it's really just a tiny little pebble that's just trying to pretend it's a trying to crush the spot up here yeah exactly because your mindset will play tricks on you so if you went through something that you may have even blocked out as a child and you've never told anybody or even as a teenager an adult then that voice is saying as soon as you tell that person they're going to leave you as soon as you tell that person you know they're going to call you names or they're going to judge you or they're going to tell other people and it, it just becomes like this ah i can't even i won't i won't i won't as to where those are not true that's lies when you speak it out, number one, you're going to have freedom because you're going to get your story out there. I had one young lady that reached out to me after she saw me on a live, a Facebook live, and her story was wow, mm-hmm. even more than mine is because everybody has their unique story, but wow. And when she told it to me, I was like, girl, you're amazing. Like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so, and she goes, oh, I just knew you were going to hate me. And I was like, why? You survived all that. Like you survived Mm. what should have killed you even from a super young age and all the way up into an adult. So that's something to be proud of. Like that's something that, but it's like those voices in your head say, no, 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 no. I can't say anything. People are going to judge me. And here's the thing. You could go like this. Well, probably not now, but normally in a store, you could go like this and reach out and you're probably going to touch someone who was, molested as a child or who went through hard times or who has a story they've never told. And see, the enemy wants us isolated. He wants us to think yeah. we're the only ones that has that story. We're the only ones that's been through that. And so those those thoughts play on your mindset and keep you from being quiet and keep you from not telling your story. <clears throat> yeah. Man, it's just, uh, of all the nights, it's just, oh my goodness. But yeah you know uh you, you okay uh you know know that what kind of other examples of people that you've talked to that really um really have gone through a lot and are pushing through because you know one of the th- oh my man this is just one of those nights people this is just one of those nights where <laughs> sometimes it's just it's all good i'll tell you another example uh was a lady after i spoke on stage in new york she came down she was probably in her late 70s Mm. maybe early 70s she was in her 70s she was older and she looked at me and she said i'm on day 61 well we were at a huge book event and i thought like day 61 of releasing her book or like day 61 i didn't know of what so i just thought i was like oh that's awesome like day 61 of what and she said, "Of not killing myself," mm. and it 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 froze me. And I said, "Oh!" And she said, "I've never told anybody what happened to me when I was a child." Mm-hmm. And she'd kept that for seventy years. Yeah. And she told me. I I said, "Tell me," you know. And and here's the thing with me: there's like no judgment zone, because that's what people don't want to tell their story because they're afraid of that judgment zone. Mm. There because. You know, um, there's a lot of horrible things that happen to kids. And I didn't know that for the longest time because I was very sheltered. But there is. And then what happens to kids goes into teenagers. They spiral out of control, goes into adulthood. They're trying to block it, trying to keep it. And it it follows you all the way through 
until you finally break your silence and you tell somebody about it. And it changes things when you do that, you know, and then they ask about healing and everything. And I, and I talk to them about all of that. So the first step is breaking your silence is telling somebody so that you're not the only one carrying that around. My husband, when he read my story, I looked over at, at him in the plane because he was reading my reading my book and he just had tears streaming down his face. And he's like, I had no idea. But like so many things lined up with why I treated him the way I did for so long or, you know, why I was really bad alcoholic. Why was I on drugs at certain times? You know, because when I met him, I was in the darkest times of my life when I met him. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom, when she read it, you know, she cried because she was like, this makes sense why you disappeared all this time as, you know, as a teenager. And I couldn't understand what, where you were, what happened to you or where you, people keep secrets and they don't say what happened to them. But by you telling your story, you might be allowing people that can't figure out why you are the way you were. It makes the puzzle fit together. It says, oh, that makes sense to me. Yeah, man, that just, well, I guess another story for me, because, you know, growing up with autism and just, I wasn't really treated the best growing up at, 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 the, at the schools. And, um, you know, I just came out of it just rather bitter and when you hold it in it just slowly eats away at you if you keep holding it and eventually you start feeling like an empty hollow shell with um oh god it's just kids can be mean and that carries on into well it wasn't just kids in this case sometimes it was actually adults that you would think would protect you you know like the teachers or the school faculty Mm -hmm. and wasn't always the case with me so i just kept holding it in and and look at you now anything and yeah and look at you now and that's something for you to be super proud of because i yeah. had teachers that told me i was stupid i had teachers that told me i would never be anything and the best revenge is success yeah it's, and, it's the best revenge and i don't know who said that somebody quoted that not me but yeah. it is and even people such as the ones that led you into sex trafficking, that are taking advantage of you when you're in that low space because of people like that. So it's just, man, it's just, it's a lot to think about, you know, when you really, and even with me, with, you know, we were both in the in a competition last year, but just to be brief mm-hmm. about that in this case, because... You know, when we had had our first team meeting, um, when we were just talking about, you know, why we picked a certain nonprofit to support. And for me, it was Madison House Autism Foundation that helps autistic adults and their families so that they could live as independently as possible so that their parents won't have to worry about what's going to happen to their child when they pass away, if they're going to end up on the streets or whatnot. And told them how it related to me since... I, I live with that every single day and will for the rest of my life and just told my own story and it just suddenly spilled out and it just felt like a like a release that needed to happen. You know, like uh, Misty Lane said, just um, having a toxic dump finally and it just... And the amount of support I had gotten from the group was just... Yeah, and I think I like everyone listening to think the same. If they're kind of worried, just just let it out. You you'll know if they're gonna be ju- judgy about you, and if they are, then they weren't meant to be in your life in the first place, or were really supportive in the first place. Yeah, that's something that you learn. My circle is like like it's where's the camera? There it is. It is it is so tiny. And for the longest time, I thought you were supposed to have a big circle. I thought the more friends you have, the more people around you, the better you are. But I learned and God showed me so much that it's the loyal ones. Yes. It's the ones that support you when you're at your lowest and the ones that, you know, pray for you when you need them to. It's those ones, the ones that want to see you succeed. See, there's so many in our circles that don't, they don't want to see us succeed because we're reflecting mm. to them. And yeah. so if they're not doing it, they don't want to see you do it. Right. And so it yeah, took out, of, out of jealousy in yes, a way. Yes. And so 
you know, I think that what you're doing, you're inspiring so many people, you know? Yeah. I really hope, really hoping so. Cause I just, uh, you know, I just want things to get better for the autistic commute community, you know, and just anyone else else that's gone through that. And I gotta look at the comments here because I know, know I can't. I know it's just <laughs> God. With God, all things are possible. Love this story. Yeah. Let's see. And uh, crazy teachers say that the kids. That's terrible. Yeah. It yeah, is. Some can be. Uh, I don't know. In my opinion, that's because they are just frustrated with their own life and they just take it out on the kids which they shouldn't they really shouldn't yeah. so smaller circles the best yes. it's all about the quality not the quantity it is it really it makes a difference and i'm and it suddenly helped you and when, when you finally got out of the traffic and you finally met that husband of your dreams and yes. being able to do all these things all because you decided to just finally speak out and just getting out of that comfort zone. And that's the probably the biggest lesson lesson I think anyone can take out of this episode that just let it all out. Even yeah. if it's just a, in a notebook or paper. And exactly. just, break your silence. Yes. And realize it doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Yeah. And like you said earlier, you know, Every single one of us have been created for a purpose mm -hmm. and you may not think that you're being inspirational to somebody, but you absolutely probably are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody needs to know that no matter what it is, it can be too dark, too dirty, too whatever um, of a story, you know, to not have it turn around and for, I'm, I, you know, my faith, you know, and for mm -hmm. Jesus to turn it around and for him yeah. to give you a whole new life. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and from that, of course, you've gone to speak and you do have different subjects. But there was one I found uh, look, looking up on your website uh, called Divine Visualization. Could you tell us more about that? Like a little bit of a preview kind of thing? It is kind of the same as faith. Mm. Um, so any one of us, can we have thought. Mm -hmm. You can hold that thought captive, for instance, um, with the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. You can, you can instantly think I'm going to lose my home, right? Yeah. Or you can instantly close your eyes and visualize yourself in your home, being happy, being healthy, um, paying your home off. Nothing's too big for you to visualize in your mindset. Yeah. And so divine visualization is the same to me as faith. It is closing your eyes and seeing it before it happens. And I did that with my house, with my car, and even with my husband. <laughs> you know, it, I had been through every single abusive, jerk, toad, all of them. Uh, you know, and then here's this prince. Because every time I was actually a cocktail waitress at the time, and every time I would see a happy couple, I'd close my eyes and I'd just visualize that for myself. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have that guy look at me like that, or I'm going to, you know, and there's such power in that. Because if you do the opposite and you're like, oh, I'm going to be by myself the rest of my life. The power is in your tongue. Don't mm -hmm. say what you don't want. Speak yeah. what you do want. You know, and I would always say, like, I'm going to be married. I'm going to live in a beautiful home. I'm going to I'm going to have this. I'm going to have that. And people would look at me like, girl, you crazy. You're a high school mm -hmm. dropout. Like you've got your GED. You have been through every abusive relationship. You're homeless, um, you know, and yet I was like, I'm going to have these things. And now I do. And so I no matter what your circumstances are, you can close your eyes and you can visualize into reality what you want. And so that's something mm -hmm. good for people to do. Do right now because it is a scary time and your mind's going crazy and it's you know catapulting into all these horrible things that could be happening but you have the power to close your eyes and see what you want to see hmm. so that's what that is yeah that kind of man this is one of those nights <laughs> you know um there was something about um yeah about the visualization you know I guess you could say in a way that when you're saying that uh, God, the universe, whatever you want to want to call, uh, they're listening. So, of course, if you constantly think I'm ne never going to get this because of that and always think of negativity, guess what? That's what's going to be handed to you every single time. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. you have to not only think about that, but also 
put in the work for it as well. Because if you're just thinking and just expecting it to be handed you freely, you're going to be rather disappointed. And Mm -hmm. it's when you're working and while you're doing the visualizing and when it's when that at that point when you're about to be on on your knees wondering, or what am I going to do? Please something when you worked everything you could that's when the miracles happen. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I've seen that. I mean, I have seen where people said, nope, it's impossible. There's no way I have straight seen miracles happen in my life. And I'm like, there's no other way that that happened. Like God, you did that, but I believe that he was going to. And that's what faith is. You know, it's it's as small as a mustard seed. Mustard seed's tiny. Yeah. You can't look at your circumstances. You've got to have faith over fear. And that's why I talk about that so much. Yeah, I also remember like, you know, people that grow those bamboo trees and it usually takes five years of always constantly being that seed over time. And you you always have a hard time seeing the end goal because it just seems like it's going nowhere. But then eventually, straight straight (laughs) up and it's just, you really see the, everything you put your work in with just doing the hard work and just having faith that things are just going to be okay. You don't know yeah. how it's exactly it's going to come out, but either way, it's going to happen for, for a reason. And sometimes in a way that you're not expecting that might end up diverging you in a different direction than you what you originally thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And consistency. We talked to, I mean, about that earlier, but consistency is key. Yeah. You know, you can't just visualize things. You have to do the work towards those things mm-hmm. and not get frustrated in the middle. Because mm-hmm. the middle's the part where we get frustrated. Yeah. But even if, even if the circumstances doesn't look like it's going to happen, close your eyes and see it anyway, and then just keep working and moving towards that. Hmm. Yeah, and you suddenly, you are suddenly an example of that with everything you've gone through, and even, and on top of that, you even have your own podcast now. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Thank you. Yeah. So my podcast is Faith Over Fear yeah. and uh, with Jody Parr, of course. Um, and what that is, is, is other people breaking their silence and their stories. And so they start out with the fearful part, what they went through, uh, because each of us go through moments of fear in our life. Mm-hmm. And then they we go from the fear into the faith and how their lives turned around. And I have um, guests that were shackled to prison beds, delivering babies to guests that left the Philippines in the middle of the night um, and are thriving now. Um, The lady that was shackled to bed actually is thriving now as well. Um, Just so many different stories about fear and into faith. And my whole thing behind this is I don't want people to be isolated. Like I want you to know you're not alone and each unique story. You never know who's listening that says, wow, I, I went through that, but I thought I was the only one. Yeah. That's the thing that also holds us back. We think we're the only one. And, mm-hmm. and it turns out there's many more people that are, have gone through that and survived, but could also use hearing your story to really push themselves out, out of that zone and just really go for it, you know? And like Shelly says here, miracles still happen today. Yes. 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 Mm. Shelly is a woman of faith too. She is. She's one of my close friends. Yeah, I should. Yeah, I should get her on the show sometime this year. You should. You know? Yeah. So send the message over, shall we? We'll work it out. So uh, <laughs> we're kind of we're kind of getting down to the hour. So uh, the final question I have is, you know, this is a uh, women's history month. Mm-hmm. You know? So full of inspiration women that have really helped with gone through their own adversities and, and of all the women in history, which one in particular gives you the most inspiration? What specifically gave what they did gave, gave you that inspiration? Wow. You know, I love Dolly Parton, Mm. (laughs) which is anybody that knows me is no surprise because of the way she sparkles and how bright that she is. But she's unapologetic for who she is. And I love Mm. that about her. 
Um, I love the fact that she grew up in a very poor area, but she had a vision and a dream and she never stopped and she, t- until she made that happen. Um, so, I mean, Dolly Parton would definitely be one of the women that I would say that I was, that I just, I live in Nashville. And when I moved here, they're like, you'll see country singers all the time. And when you do, don't bother them. They're just in their everyday life. And I'm like, that's no problem unless I see Dolly Parton. And then I'm telling you now, I'm going to like walk up to her and want to hug her neck because she mm-hmm. is a huge inspiration to so many people. So that would probably be my choice. If I could meet someone or a woman of power that I feel like it would be Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah. And from what I've heard about about her and what she's done, she's just a model human being, you know? She really is. And just hearing that and just where she is now with not only being in movies, a country singer and having her own theme park with Dollywood. I definitely heard about that because I was into roller coasters. So (laughs) (laughs) So I know about the Tennessee tornado coaster over there in Pigeon Forge. Yeah. And the first time I actually heard about Dolly Parton was when my father, well, my parents watched this movie uh, called nine to five. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Nine to five. What a way to make a living. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing. And man, it's just so I just wanted to really thank you for your time for this. I really do ap- appreciate it. And of course she does have the web website, uh com. That's P A A R dot com. And yeah. is there any other places such as social media or ways to be able to contact you? Sure. I'm on Instagram under the Jody Parr. I'm under Facebook under Jody Parr. I also have a group called Boss Nation. If you need daily inspiration, uh, Boss Nation, Faith Over Fear. And then my podcast is Faith Over Fear with Jody Parr as well. Mm. Twitter, I'm on it, but I don't tweet. Yeah, I have a Twitter account, but I just don't use it. It's just I just don't tweet. So I, I'm I'm still not getting and I did, well, Jody Park also. <laughs> yeah, I just <clears throat> and of course, uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Two Artistic Eyes, you know we are on Facebook, Instagram with Two Artistic Eyes official, and of course, if you love to support it, there's also we do have a Patreon for you to get support to help keep the show going and. And uh, ah, there it goes again. <laughs> but of course, if you want to, if you want to learn more about the podcast, it's www.christophercasson.com slash podcast to learn more about it. And 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 again, this is Christopher D. Casson with a few autistic eyes and. The dog is going berserk outside there, so uh, I'm going to have to get get to that. But thank you guys for watching and for giving all the support for both of us. We, both of us definitely appreciate it, and we hope to see you doing our next, next live. So take care, everyone. Thanks, Christopher. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.